Welcome to Miami Creators. I am your host, Corrado, and each week I bring you the inspiring stories behind Miami's most influential businesses, individuals, entrepreneurs, and more. Today I speak with Katie Cofield, founder of Foodie Tribe, an influencer agency that brings brands and influencers together under one common passion, food. Working with brands like McDonald's, Red Lobster, South Beach Wine and Food Festival, American Airlines, and others, Foodie Tribe taps on a network of over 2,000 foodie influencers to spread their message and deliver results for their clients. On today's episode, Katie shares a story of how Foodie Tribe came to be, what it was like to launch and get a new business off the ground at the same time she was welcoming her second baby into this world, how her dad and running has influenced her life, and so much more. But be warned, today's rapid fire segment is jam-packed with delicious food spot recommendations that will add a few extra inches around your waist. So proceed with caution. Please enjoy this entertaining and honest conversation with Katie Cofield. Katie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me today. <laughs> this is awesome. You are single-handedly responsible for about couple inches around my waist with all your food <laughs> posts and everything so <laughs> yeah i don't look at my own instagram sometimes <laughs> for anyone tuning in that doesn't know who katie is and foodie tribe why don't you give us a little bit of an intro of what you do mm -hmm. what you're all about yeah definitely so i'm katie cofield uh, i call myself the chief founder of foodie tribe as we are a tribe um, started Foodie Tribe four years in January. Uh, so now about a month, we're turning four. The idea of Foodie Tribe essentially started as a local community of foodies here in South Florida that were set to get together, promote local restaurants and needed an ex you know, extra love and extra push in uh, marketing and, and social. Very quickly, when we opened up the application process, my business plan had to change overnight because I was getting people that were interested in the community um, across the United States, across the globe. So very quickly, we turned into a local community process into a full-blown agency where we now are the liaison, or you can think about us as almost like the talent scouts between the brands and the agencies and the content creators. And very important for me to note is we are Foodie Tribe. We stay very focused as far as the niche. So the 2,000 or so influencers that we have approved and vetted within our, uh, our network are food and beverage focused. They could have a lifestyle feel and touch to them, but we try not to stray away from that. So for someone who doesn't understand or know that much about influencer marketing, can you kind of give the mm -hmm. listeners a quick rundown of how a project comes Definitely. about, what it entails? So I started Foodie Tribe really because I myself was a blogger, right? So 10 or so years ago, we were still very focused as far as advertising dollars going to solely TV, radio, print, and digital media. So, you know, major brands were spending hundreds and thousands of dollars in these avenues. Very quickly, they started to realize that folks were spending a lot of time on these social networks like Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, and they started testing out advertising dollars in that avenue. So now we have these influencers that are getting paid sponsored content to create posts and stories on these social channels to promote these, these products. Now, what's very important to, for everybody to note is when we receive projects from brands, 
one of the first things that I do is if I don't feel passionate about your product, if I haven't tasted it, tried it, gone to the restaurant, if I'm able to, I will go to the restaurant if it's local, you know, to Miami. If I can pick it up at a Publix, you know, I'll go try it. Very important that what I'm putting out to the influencers, I feel comfortable with. So when we do receive a project, that's the first thing that I do. There have been times where I've said no to certain, you know, products just because it's not, it's not in line with my brand and I don't feel comfortable with it. Once the project comes in, the team and I essentially put together what we call a client survey, which allows us to put our creative brief together for the influencers. So we try to give as much information as we can to the team so that they understand when they receive a pitch from us. It's pretty simple, right? And and we've been told, and we're very grateful for this, that, um, you know, the Foodie Tribe gives us a lot of information. So there's no room for error or confusion. So that way, when we receive the content from the influencers, it's pretty spot on. The hashtags are there, the app mentions are there, any special discount codes that need to be included, that kind of tracking, um, it's all there. We get that content for the the brands. We send everything for approval. So we work very similar to an agency because that's my background. Once it's approved, the fun stuff starts to happen where we see the content go live, we keep track of the engagement. And then we also work with a partner platform of ours called Tell, T-E-L-L, On Demand, And that platform allows us to track all of the content live. So as the content goes up, we attach it to the campaign and we're able to view the metrics. Um, And that's what we sent to the client post campaign. So it sounds like you're working with the agencies Mm -hmm. that are representing some of these brands. You're also representing the influencers. Mm -hmm. Are you also working directly with the brand itself? Definitely. So I would say more recently, a lot of our partnerships just so happen to be with agencies Um, which is wonderful for us because they have a large portfolio of brands that they work with. We formed some really great relationships with, you know, agencies local to here. We have a lot of teams that we work with out in LA, but on the other side of things, we do have a lot of brands that come directly to us. Um, So now just being so that it's the end of the year, we have a lot of proposals out for 2020. And most of those are actually directly with the brand. The cool thing about what we're doing and, and what I really pride myself on, because I feel like that means that I'm doing my job correctly is we don't really spend a ton of marketing dollars advertising Foodie Tribe. The way that people find us and these brands are solely from our Instagram account, as well as our website and the SEO that we've kind of put together behind the website. So very proud of that. So what are the things that you're looking for when you're like, if it's a local spot, what are the things that you're judging the place on or the product on for you to decide this is something that's aligned with the brand? This is something that I think my influencers are going to like and be into. So for local spots, it's a lot easier, right? Because I can go visit if I haven't been. Now, another good example is, um, I don't know if you've heard of Potbelly Sandwich Shop. So they don't have them down here in South Florida. I wasn't able to go out and try a pulled pork sandwich, even though I really wanted to. So I started, the first thing spot I went to is Instagram. And I started reading through conversations on the restaurant, looked at their feed, Uh, looked at the engagement and it seemed to be like really heartfelt that people were loyal fans of this restaurant. And then when I sent the pitch out to the tribe, it was like overwhelming the response of people that were freaking out that they were able to promote one of their favorite local spots. Something that I have done in the past when it's a project that I'm not sure about before I sign the client, I'll send like a quick pitch to the tribe and I'm like, Hey, this is in the works. Would you be interested in this project? kind of give me like a feel and a vibe if it's going to work or not. Because obviously I, I can pitch something and if I don't get anything in return, then the client's not going to be very happy. Right. And when you say tribe, you mean the all of the influencers that you have currently mm-hmm. signed on to mm-hmm. work with you. Got it. 
Is there a particular project that you feel like it's the perfect embodiment of the type of work that you want to be doing, the type of clients that you want to be representing? I have to say that one of my favorite clients thus far is um, working with an agency that we have out of uh, a partnership out of LA called Crafted PR. The brand is called Lighthouse Foods. They have like crumbled cheese, artisan cheese, pourable dressings, which is totally crazy because I was the type of influencer or blogger that would go out to a restaurant and, and take food photography that way. Some of my favorite projects are the recipe development projects because when you go to a restaurant, it's the same plate, right? So everybody can kind of take a different angle, but it's going to be the same plate of nachos. Um, when you send out like these crumbled cheese for, you know, feta and gargonzola and you get 10 influencers to create a recipe on it and each influencer comes up with a unique recipe and how to incorporate the cheese it's just so cool to see that you know like somebody would yeah okay you put it on a topping of a salad but somebody else like um because one of the first projects we did was like around father's day they did like this really cool baked potato like skin you know with the crumbled cheese on top to like go out to the dads those projects and we've done several campaigns with them are just like really rewarding to see and especially when the client sees that, you know, and they're like, wow, this is so awesome. I didn't even think about that recipe. And then that particular client features all of our content on their website. So all of those recipes that the influencers create, they get extra kudos because all of that is living and breathing on the website constantly. So they do receive credit for all of that. Um, so they, the influencers think it's pretty awesome because they're featured on the website. And at the same time, I'm, it's like, I'm proud. I have two kids at home, but I really have 2,000 <laughs> Two, you know, children right. that I'm proud of to represent. That's awesome. Let's talk about the inspiration to launch Foodie Tribe. Was it was it always designed to be an agency? How did it get started? Give me the give me the backstory. Um, I was working for a, a software company out of New York, but we had a remote office here. Just six of us, you know, doing well, really enjoying like working on the customer success side. But I was, I was feeling like there was something missing. So at that point, I was still doing the blogging. I was getting a lot of pitches from the local agencies down here in South Florida to go visit restaurants. And I was sitting with my coworker one day and I was like, I got to start something. Like there's a lot of restaurants that don't have the money to be represented by a PR agency. Why don't I try to do something and get like the 20 or so, you know, people that I eat dinner with like three times a week at these restaurants to go promote these. So that's how we kind of started it. It's myself, um, my very good friend, Ali, did all of the design work. My entire team are ex-colleagues of mine that have become very good friends. And that's how we've stayed. You know, that's just how it came to be. It came through a passion. And two years after starting Foodie Tribe, still working at that software company, some changes were happening that I wasn't really excited about. And I decided to leave that job and just take Foodie Tribe full time. So let's go a little deeper into your background, your relationship with food. Has this always been some sort of like a passion that you've mm -hmm. always had? What yeah. what inspired that? Yeah, definitely. So there's a running joke in my family because my sister is a lifestyle fashion blogger um, and I've, I'm the foodie. So we're like total complete opposites. And it's been like that since day one. So my sister was always the one that needed to have, you know, the nice looking clothes and the whole thing. And I, I was more interested about like what we were going to eat for dinner before breakfast started. <laughs> so, you know, starting the whole food blogging thing, um, you know, really I had started my blog, which was called Rando Miami. And it was a photo blog of the random stuff that only happens here. My friend Tyler, who's on the team now for Foodie Tribe, was representing some restaurant in Miami Beach. And he's like, hey, I need somebody to come and write something. You know, I need a, I need a review. 
hey, do you think Random Miami can come and, you know, write, you know, taste the food and write something? And that's how it started. And then for some reason after that, I just started getting pitched from different agencies to go, you know, visit restaurants. And that's at that moment, I would say that was probably about five or six years ago. That's when it started to pick up where agencies were now shifting to just reaching out to media, to reaching out to bloggers, to go out to the restaurants. What do you think made your initial blog posts and content resonate and connect with people? I'm not like a super professional writer. <laughs> I'm like very real. And um, this, the same way that I speak is the same way that I write. So I try to be real about it, humorous. Um, you know, I give you my honest opinion in a nice way. If there's a dish that I don't, you know, I didn't like, I just won't feature it. I was just real. You know, I wasn't crazy about using AP style like on every blog. Right. You know, I come from a PR background, so I'd like to think that, you know, at least I could write a little bit, but I just tried to keep it more real. You're a wife, a mom of two kids, which you said they're one and three, three? Yeah. one and three. Talk to me about launching Foodie Tribe as you're having kids. Totally crazy. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, as a parent, I know that <laughs> how crazy it can get. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Give me some yeah. some some stories of how it all started, how you managed to do all of this. What inspired you in, mm -hmm. in the middle of having kids right. and everything? For a lot of people, it's definitely not the right time to go out right. and start a venture. So honestly, I think God was on my side. So like I said, I started Foodie Tribe January, I guess, 2016. I got pregnant in February with my son Camden, and he was born in November. And I remember starting foodie tribe he was born walking him outside and talking to my mom and saying i want to make foodie tribe happen so that i can be home and be more present with camden and i was working at this software company i did my three months of maternity leave went back there was a lot of travel involved i really wasn't into that so i my in the back of my head i kept thinking i need to make foodie tribe happen i need to make foodie tribe happen After he, I guess he was a year and a month, this whole change happened at the company. And I sat down with my husband and he was like, I don't, I think this is a no brainer. You need to leave this company and you need to take Foodie Tribe full time. You know, you made X amount of money just hanging out, you know, enjoying what you're doing, still working a full time job and, and, you know, raising a kid. You can do this. So I took the leap of faith and on December 4th, 2018, I guess, or I, 17, 17, right. 17, I took it full time. And then that following year, I got pregnant with him. <laughs> and the funny thing about that is that with Camden, I had a, a set job, right? So I had a maternity leave. I had time to take off. Nobody was bothering me. When I had Emma, I asked my husband to bring my laptop to, to the hospital because I had two huge <laughs> campaigns. Like it just so happened. The entire year happens, right? And October was my busiest month, which is when she was born. Two huge projects, like worth over $100,000. And so I couldn't leave that to the team. Like I had to be involved. And right. it's not that I'm a micromanager. I mean, maybe I am. So I was in the hospital bed answering emails and that was how it was. I didn't have a maternity leave. I had Emma like in a pouch And I was talking to clients like American Airlines or FIA and like just hoping and praying that my baby would stay asleep. I always find it interesting how different people approach work or business and motherhood at the same time, right? So for some people, it's all about, I want to be at home with my kids. I don't want to be working. I want to dedicate 100% of my time for my kids. 
Others are like, no, I just want to get somebody to take care of the kid at home. I need to be out of the house. I need to go work. I need to do some stuff. Sounds like you're the second. You're in the no. <laughs> you're in the middle. In the you're middle. in the middle because yeah, no, you were like, I want to be at yeah. home. I don't want to be I'm traveling. Kind of both. No, you're yeah. right. I'm the room parent at my kid's school, <laughs> so I'm definitely trying to juggle both. But I have to say, I have help at home. You know, several days of the week, which allow me the best of both worlds because I can be here recording this with you. And at the same time, you know, a few days ago, I'm able to go and take him into his like three year checkup. Um, so the great thing about my situation is I already had help um, several days of the week because I had this full time job. So when I took Foodie Tribe full time, you know, obviously I had to have a conversation with my husband and ensure that we could still like afford it financially. And, you know, thank goodness we have been able to these, you know, three years. So I still have her helping me at home. Camden's now started school because he's three. And I also I think my because I talk to a lot of moms, you know, too, who are running businesses. And it's it's interesting because everybody's personality is different. I'm way laid, laid back. Um, a friend of mine's like, oh, you're not checking the camera every two minutes to see what, you know, so-and-so's doing with Emma. And I'm like, no, because she already helped me with Camden. And I know Emma's great every day I get home. And not even that in the morning when that woman comes through that door, like both kids are freaking out because they're so excited. You know, Emma could be like 30 miles away and she's like, Anna you know so I'm not I'm very lucky to have full trust in that woman and be able to do what I love every day and and still do something that fulfills me work-wise and it sounds like you've got an amazing you know support system you know and your husband and your family sounds like a very supporting unit yeah yeah which is which Which is is not yeah I think that helps a lot um and like I said my sister too has her own business so like, that's kind of just like the vibe that we give off. We have, you know, which is funny because my dad's like totally corporate. And I thought that was the path that I was going to take. And both of his daughters went entrepreneur way. But I think it's just, that's, it's really important to have a family and most importantly, your spouse or your partner on board with you. And Ryan's been my is, number one support. Is it similar to how you were raised? Was your mom at home? Was My mom was at home and still is at home. Well, my mom worked until I was about three. So really, it's not not anything that I uh, I remember her always being home. I don't know. I never, I never just seeing and seeing my mom at home, I never saw myself like that. Hmm. Um, and she knew that. She knew that I wasn't going to be that type of person. I have my dad's personality where, I, like I said, I thought, like I went for an internship one summer to Pepsi, you know, and like that was like the direction that I was going. I was going to, you know, be on a marketing team at a Fortune 100 brand that's where I was like trying to get all that agency experience. And then I met my husband in college and like my whole, my whole idea changed. How has your idea of what your life was going to be changed? I mean, so like I said, I thought like I was going to get this job at Pepsi and move to New York. Like that was what I thought was going to happen. And I had to have like a kind of like come to senses with this and understand like, am I going to go and live that life in New York or I'm going to stay here close to my family and do something here. So I decided to stay here, was doing the agency stuff. And then um, that job that I had, the last job at the software company was uh, their HR person reached out to me on LinkedIn. So that was totally by chance that I got that job, but it was awesome. I think I learned a lot, worked with Fortune 100 brands, which I think everything that I've done thus far has just led me to you know, forming Foodie Tribe and having success here. Success never comes easy. It's never a straight 
smooth line up. Mm-hmm. It goes through dips, it mm-hmm. goes ups yeah. and downs. Um, let's talk about some of the maybe hurdles or setbacks that you've mm-hmm. experienced in your life. How have you overcome those? Um, I mean, well, business-wise, I have had projects, you know, that I've worked on and then the client just disappears, you know, and doesn't pay out, you know, so I've had those wonderful business hurdles. I think other than that, honestly, when people ask me like, oh, what challenges have you had? I think I just take things like very cool and laid back. I know that it's, it's still, I think it's still weird to me that people in South Korea are talking about foodie tribe or like I spoke to a company in London and they're like, yeah, this girl on my team was like, you need to reach out to foodie tribe for this RFP. And I'm like, that's still weird to me. And I think that since I take things with stride, when crazy weird things happen, I really don't get very affected. I just kind of move on and I'm like, all right, well then that wasn't, that wasn't meant to be. It's not worth my time. Let's, let's move on to something else. And I think. Where do you think that comes from? Honestly, my, he's going to kill me for like mentioning him so much, but my husband like helps me with that mentality because I used to get really attached to things even when those campaigns kind of like fell through and I got kind of like weird about it. He's like, you just got to move on. Like, that's it. It's done there. You just got to move on to the next client, look for bigger, better projects. And I think that's the mentality that I now have is, I mean, I've been with him for like 10 years. So I guess I start to like rub off, but I think we work really well together and he really helps me a lot and everything. Um, I call him my interim CFO because he handles all my stuff. (laughs) He's constantly coaching me. And if I have ever like any sort of business question or advice or just need like help on something, he definitely comes to the rescue. And he's like, he's funny because like he'll start saying like these, these marketing terms. And I'm like, oh, so you really are listening to me when I talk to you about these campaigns. (laughs) Like he'll just start saying like, oh, so the influencers, did they create the content for that? (laughs) And I'm like, oh. What are the KPIs? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. So What does he do? He works at the University of Miami in project management. Got it. So totally different. (laughs) In terms of mentality and how you approach life, are are there any quotes that you often think about or that you try to live your life by? I don't think I have any like specific quotes. I think it's just the mentality of trying to be as positive as I can. Like I said, I mean, even I think like even in just the daily life when like weird crap happens, I just try to be like, okay, well, that's it. You know, you gotta, you gotta just like move on. And that's just my mentality and everything, business, personal life, you know, with my kids and my family. Is that something that you're trying to instill on your kids? And Definitely. How? Like, I'm always curious to find out about how parents are it's hard. trying to pass some of these lessons onto their mm-hmm. kids. Um, I think it's definitely getting more intense and challenging now because so, you know, Emmy's four, right? Camden's three. I don't know about you, but like three is kind of intense. He's like totally aware of everything, talking back and the whole thing. So I think it's not more me telling him things. I'm working more on my behavior around him. I think that's really what it is so that he sees the way that I act. And Emma too, you know, she's one, but she's picking up on everything. I want them to see the way that I act and just emulate that is really what I think Ryan and I are trying to do. What are some, you know, obviously you've talked a lot about your husband and the way that he's influenced you. Any other big influences in your life? My dad has always been somebody that I've 
looked up to. Uh, I always thought like you know, I was going to take that corporate route just because I saw him in that position and I thought I saw myself in something like that. So he's definitely somebody that I've constantly looked up to, you know, in, in professional business life as well as, you know, personal life. So I started training for a half marathon. He's does Ironmans and stuff. So I'm like, not that crazy. He's tried to get me into doing triathlons and I'm like, no. But so I did my first half marathon uh, that I had did one like 10 years ago. I kind of almost don't even count that one uh, last October. And then now I have another one in December. And I think it's just like, you know, doing those things with him and, and looking up to him. It's definitely changed my perspective on on things. How was your relationship with your dad growing up? Like what describe that relationship? Well, so like I said, he's definitely influenced me. So I think when did we start? I think we started running together. I was like 10. Um, we were living in Connecticut. So my dad's always had that. He worked at Pepsi. I think I was like three until I was 22. He traveled a lot, but like, I think some things that we always had in common was like working out and exercising and running, um, the love for, for Pepsi, you know, he doesn't work there anymore, but I'm still very biased. I can't really drink Coke. It like hurts. It just like feels like Pepsi paid for my UM education. So I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if I could do it. So just, you know, little silly things like that. But those were like the little moments growing up that I could hold on to. I always like, I don't really hold the grudge, but I always saw him like he missed my 12th and 13th birthday because he was traveling. But that was just like how it was. And we, you know, my sister and I, we we identified that. And my mom has always, you know, because of that, like been the rock of the family. And again, like I th that was probably one of the major decisions of her staying home was because of the, you know, constant traveling from from his side. You know, you mentioned Pepsi several times. Was was that idea growing up of that you wanted to grow? I think you know, so, yeah. Because of your dad? I probably. What did he do there? Um, He was VP of finance. Okay. Yeah, so totally different from what I was going to do. But um, so they had this internship program. It was for people in New York. So like I totally like got into the system. This like girl from Miami like came up and everybody was like, but you're not from Syracuse or you're not from NYU. I'm like, no, I'm from UM. So I was like the, the tannest, you know, girl there. And everybody's like, wow, like, do you go to the beach every day? I'm like, no, it's just my natural color. Um, cause everybody was like, you know, the New York white. Of course. Um, so it was, it was interesting. I, I definitely infiltrated the system. Um, I worked with the marketing and PR teams, um, so I think definitely growing up, that was something that I was constantly thinking about. And my dad had always been telling me they've got this internship program. So when I was of age to like apply, it only seemed natural. That's why I always thought I was going to like work there. And when there was a possibility of a job there, I was like, well, that's, you know, it's only natural that I do that. But I had like, we, I was, I didn't know at the time, but I was months away from getting engaged. Um, and obviously Ryan didn't want to just like get up and move to New York during that, you know. You picked up running when you were 10, you said? 10, yeah. Wow. That's got to be an amazing experience, right? In terms of like going out for runs with yeah. your dad. Yeah, so we was do like, like, for example, we do the turkey trot. Like we just did the turkey trot. There's a picture in his office. And I know because of the years, 2004. So I was 14 when we started doing the turkey trot in Tropical Park. And so it was always like me and my dad, me and my dad. Then Ryan, you know, I started dating Ryan. So then Ryan started doing the turkey trot with us. And then I had Camden. Camden's in pictures at the turkey trot, like passed out. And then this past past year, Emma is in like, I took the double stroller with both of them. So we it's just it. nice to have like that. Like this family yeah. tradition. Mm -hmm. 
So I want to switch into something that is what I'm calling the Miami rapid fire. So just a couple of quick questions related to Miami. Mm -hmm. I want you to give me the first answer that comes to mind. Oh, gosh. You're rolling in here with some serious food cred. So I'm oh, gonna, gosh. But I have, I have kids now. I barely go out. <clears throat> well, you're going to have to make something up then. <laughs> um, so first of all, best <clears throat> new food spot in Miami that you're particularly excited about or that people should check out? It's got to be something relatively new. Relatively new. Oh, gosh. I mean, okay, so one that's, I mean, it's it's not like new yesterday, but I feel like it's totally underrated. It's called Ichimi. I'm probably spelling it totally, or saying it totally wrong, but it's here in Coral Gables. It's like a, like a noodle type of bar. It's amazing. The guy, uh, pretty sure he went to UM. It's not from, not local from here. He came from Asia, brought, brought the concept here and it's really authentic. I think it's really hard to find authentic like ramen noodle. And it's like, I, I commit, I don't commit carbicide. I mean, I guess I do cause it's noodles, but like I leave there and I'm like, I'm almost like throwing up because I, I want to eat like the whole bowl. Um, that's definitely one of my favorite spots. Okay. Well, you kind of beat me to it. So I was going to ask you, what is your personal, aside oh, from have, it being I have, you? I have some more. Go um, for it. Personal food spot and dish at that at those spots. Okay. So one, a restaurant that we are constantly going to, my only thing with them is that they don't have high chairs, which is sad. But you realize that after you have kids is um, the local. So again, here in Coral Gables, because I stay very close to my area. And my favorite thing there is the the burger that they have. It's a double patty. And the cheese and they had like, they'll add like bacon to it with a side of fries is like heaven. Eating house and glass and vine. Those are top spots for me. Glass and vine I really love because it has that outdoor spot to it. The food is awesome. And it just so happens that it behind it, like it's by like kind of like a youth center setup in, in Coconut Grove. So there's a park. So the kids can play while you're eating delicious food and like sipping on a, on a nice it. cold beer. Yeah. Love it. Love it. What is your idea of the best way to spend a Miami weekend? I would say, so if you got two days, you definitely have to visit the Wynwood area. I really do like Wynwood. I don't get to go out there that much. I think there's a lot to do there food-wise, yes. And then there's a lot of really great like small micro breweries that you can go visit, which is another, I didn't, I didn't mention that in like what I, you know, my favorite spots, but you know, there's some breweries out there you can visit some smaller spots. And then there's a lot of really small local small businesses that you could visit and help out. I'm all about helping out the smaller folks. So I would do Wynwood. I would do the beach because you have to see the water, especially if you're not from here. Um, and then I think like areas that are still like need like a little bit of love. Coral Gables does well. I think they're doing really great marketing. They've got this Hirada thing, but I think the growth needs a little bit more life because every time I go there, I feel like, um, I feel sad because I pass by Mr. Moe's and I'm like, man. Um, so there's definitely some, some, some traditional spots missing, but I think there's a lot of new places popping up and a lot of up and coming chefs are going out there and, and putting together, you know, spots like Gloss and Vine or Ariette or, um, uh, you have Locale there. That's like so good. Right. Um, and then now Panther's there. So I think there's a lot of known spots going out there and then they're revamping the whole Cocoa Walk. So bringing back the love to Coconut Grove. 
If you're stuck in Miami traffic, mm -hmm. what are you listening to? My favorite radio station right now is 104.3 The Shark because it's alternative. So it's like got it'll do everything from like American Rejects and stuff and like Blink 182 to like newer stuff. Um like one of my favorite new bands is Shade. Um and uh let's see like Same Hotel and those type of bands. So I I really wanted to go there was this concert that they just did two weeks ago on Fort Lauderdale Beach called Riptide. Um, so I'm, I'm super into alternative music, which is funny because that's what I listen to in the car. It's not what I listen to while I run. That's what I was going to ask you. Is that yeah. what you're, what no. are you listening to while you're running? It's a Spotify playlist called workout, okay. <laughs> but it has more like upbeat, like you can stomp to this music, right? you know? Okay. And then last, I'm going to try to like bring it in full circle in terms of the business side in Miami. What's one or two pieces of advice that you would like to share with Miami food related business owners? Yeah. So one of the things that I always tell people when I speak to them is you have to think about your, your social channels and your website as your portfolio in the first impression. You may get a restaurant that has a lot of foot traffic. And if you don't, then people are going to be searching you on Yelp or they're going to be asking their friends for spots. And the first thing they're going to do more than likely than before visiting your website is going to your Instagram account. So you want to make sure that your feed, especially those first nine blocks, have a really nice, consistent feel to it, that there's a brand aesthetic, you know, to it. I, I go to a lot of Instagram accounts and I'm like, holy crap, there's so much going on here. Like, First of all, like what, what's your focus on the food? Like I see a hot dog over here and then you're featuring a donut and like, there's no consistency to your, to your message. Um, incorporating, you know, influencers is great, but if you don't have the budget, that's fine. You can take user generated content, even from like the reposts, right? So if people are heading to your restaurant, they're creating story content, they're tagging you on their post they're probably going to tell you yes to, you know, you can repost them, just simply ask them, send them a direct message. And that creates like a sense of um, like on your feed that you're not just solely promoting yourself, that there's actually people that are enjoying your restaurant and enjoying the plates that you're putting out, the environment, the chef, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I always like to see feeds that have that kind of feel to it where it's not just the brand pushing it, but they're reposting other people's content too. You know, I think it's just taking the leap of faith and understanding that, you know, and like I said, instead of putting advertising dollars, maybe on Google ads, maybe you want to spend that equivalent money that you would be spending on Google or Facebook on inviting a couple of influencers in to taste the food and create content for you that you can use. Because, I mean, these guys go and they take like hundreds of photos. So a lot of the projects that we do, for example, I'll pay like a little extra fee and the, the influencers will send me like 10 extra shots that the brands can use. So just feel free to like ask that, you know, like, hey, you came to the restaurant. I saw you posted. I saw you really enjoyed it. Do you have any extra added, you know, photos that you're not going to use that maybe, you know, I could pay you like a small royalty to use and, and I'll make sure to tag you. Um, again, that just shows that you are not just interested in having them come and, and be done. Okay, great. You wrote the review, but like you're, inter you're interested in maybe a partnership with yeah, them. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Com almost kind of like. Forming a relationship. Uh, yeah. A relationship. Because then that influencer is going to be like, oh man, you know, so-and-so restaurant like really appreciated my work. You have to understand that either these people are doing this for a full-time job. So they're taking it real seriously, 
or the other influencers are doing this after hours and like they're still taking it seriously and they're but like you got to think about it they're working like eight hours and then they're going to your restaurant for two hours and then they're editing right so um either way people are spending a lot of time and dedication so if you show just a little bit of love they're going to show you a lot more love back love it love it so what are you looking forward to in the next couple of years what's what's the plan (laughs) more international projects I really, yeah, when I got that call or the email really from uh, that South Korean client, it got me excited, you know, to know that there's hope for more international projects. I have a proposal out to an agency out in London right now. Um, So I need to do my due diligence on really looking out for that kind of kind of work. But I think moving more internationally, because like I said, I have influencers all over the world that are just hungry for activations I have a really awesome community in Australia. My sister-in-law is actually from from Melbourne. And uh, she went back a couple of weeks ago and she was looking for places to eat. And she was like, it's so funny how all of these people that I follow in Australia have that they're a foodie tribe member. So, you know, they're promoting my brand. So I want to make sure, like I want to, like I said, I really want to show the love to them and bring them, you know, a really cool brand partnership. That's awesome. Well, Katie, thank you so much. Where can people find out more about you or can they connect so our website is www.foodietribe.com um all of the links to our social handles are there if not you can find us at foodie tribe on facebook twitter instagram and pinterest awesome thank you so much hey guys this is corrado again two quick things before you take off one remember that you can find detailed show notes for every single episode at miamicreators.com And two, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share this with someone you think would find it interesting. That's it. Until next time, thank you for listening.